podcast. So Nick decided not to show up. Pevy decided not to show up. So uh, we dragged Ant back from the gutters. I'm back from podcast hell. From podcast hell. You haven't been podcasting for what? A year and a half? I've had like a... I'd like a year off. I've done the odd one here and there when people have asked. I'm like a like a podcast like eighties hitman. You just call me out of retirement mm. now and again and I sort of bang out a bang average performance. <laughs> Fair enough. That's just what this show is, is bang average. That's at <laughs> best. You know? Yeah, when I get people who like send messages saying, Oh, good show, I was like, was it? Was it really? You know? Yeah, like... I never I never used to know if uh if people actually thought that. But people have listened to us in some capacity for years now for some reason so we must be doing something mm-hmm. right mate either that was just nothing else out there you know <laughs> everything else keeps getting cancelled so yeah. we're the only thing to listen to <laughs> yeah and uh you know i i stick to some rules i, I you know i don't get cancelled on my own podcast you know exactly yeah you're a good you know? boy i'm a good boy you know i this meant is... more like every single film ever keeps getting cancelled doesn't it but Oh, I thought you just meant like... Oh, no, 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 not naughty people on the internet. I don't mean that. Not naughty people, no. Naughty people and Netflix projects. And Lucasfilm projects. Yeah. Yeah, Lucasfilm projects. That's the trinity. That's the holy trinity of cancellations, I suppose. And the Paul brothers. Oh, they don't get cancelled. They're they're thriving, unfortunately. Oh, I don't know know those guys. Are they they okay, then? Are they doing okay? Are they still boxing people? Yeah, one got battered the other day by a guy from Love Island. Oh, nice. What a peak bit of entertainment. No more do people are listening to this show. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, that's but, where we're but that's at. that's your other option. That it's got to be this, hasn't it? Unless we do boxing. Oh, my God. Who do you think would win, actually, out of, like, all our, our sort of lot? You. Do you actually think? <laughs> yeah, because our lot isn't, like, exactly, <laughs> you know. I think Matt might have some sort of rage there. Nah. Oh, he's got rage there. And I think he'd be dirty, you know? It also doesn't have to be, like, five foot four, so he'd just be doing low blows on you. Dirty you know? old Hudson. He's like the, yeah, yeah. That's, I don't know. You know, know he'd be a dirty little fighter. You think he'd like go straight for the the nads? Yeah, I think he'd, he'd bite as well. He'd, he'd try and Mike Tyson you. Yeah, he's got Nick. Some moves. I don't know about Nick. You know, you you speak better for Nick and Pevy, mate. I don't I don't know their moves. I think if you give Pevy the rage, he'd do some damage. Okay. You know. Yeah. Um, Nick. I think Nick would like to believe he could beat Pevy up. Um, <laughs> But which, I think which would cause Pevy's rage and then win. Exactly. Yeah. So I think if Pevy had the rage, he'd defeat Nick. Um, you know, the Pevy would go Super Saiyan God. You know, he'd be like Broly. You mm. know, um, yeah. I don't know what I'd be. I'd just like the rest of my life and performances just... in every aspect, I'd be bang average. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you you told me once like, we won't get into the smaller details, but didn't you take part in an underground fighting ring or something once? <laughs> yeah, we did. I didn't. I didn't get involved at a, a previous in job, which we will not name. Took, took fight in, took part in the real life Fight Club. D- oh did. god! Yeah, yeah. And got banned from um a nightclub because of uh, was it Prism? Was it Prism nightclub? No, Tiger 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 okay. Tiger. That's where we're banned from. But there was also pre my time was there fights in the freezers at the place I used to work as well. More clues are coming in here. More clues coming in. I think I might have said where I've worked before on, on this. I'm not too sure. It involves chicken. You know? Well, there you go. That, if you can't figure this one out, guys, then you don't deserve to know. But Yeah, but I just mean, I didn't partake in the fights. I just watched oh, them. Oh, 
Right. You just me and my friend. No, we didn't even go that far. We just stood there and watched as like everybody fought each other in secret. You yeah. know. Yeah. I then buggered off to a karaoke booth with a. We did a. a we did yeah. a, a boxing tournament at our college once. They, we asked if we could do it and they wouldn't let us do it so then we just locked ourselves in the gym and did it but yeah. I, I can't really judge myself on that because i don't know it was at your school or college or whatever but i was like a lot taller than a lot of the people at my college and in my school year we had like three or four lads that were tall and then everybody else was just tiny i don't know what happened to the gene pool there but i can't really judge myself on that because i mean that's not how boxing works is it i'm, I'm way outside my weight class just punching little mm. little guys around a gym at college so yeah. How tall are you? 6'3". How tall is Van Dyke? Oh, I don't know. Off the top of my head, let's have a look. Because... This has not I'm, started the way I thought it would start, by the way. Because I'm thinking, if me and you are running around doing a, a boxing thing, it'll be like Van Dyke trying to fight Martinez, to be honest. I think Martinez would win. He's got that tenacity, hasn't he? He's got the dog do, in him. Do, do, do you ever make football references on this podcast? This this is probably strange for usual listeners, isn't it? We do. I assume everybody hates it. Um, they haven't stopped listening because of it. Okay. Um, but I, we don't go too in-depth with it. You know, Pevy, Nick, bring... Van Dyke is six foot five. Mm. He's a tall man. He's a tall man. I think... I, I think once I said to you he's a handsome man as well, and you said he's not, and I still haven't forgot it. I don't think he is. Listeners, weigh in. Van Dyke's a handsome man. Did you not see him at that... The, the the awards thing the other day he looked you, the, the, how, how was he at that awards thing i've got no clue you know what i mean like it's unbelievable mate anyway moving on <laughs> all right yeah um for your sake moving on here mate for yeah. my sake moving on listen i've got the best defense in the league i didn't let seven in the other day you know did yeah. not let seven in i've drank nothing but seven up i saw the post earlier yeah so <laughs> that was not to wind you up by the way but <laughs> That's Nick's job, you know. Has Nick left you alone now? Nick never leaves me alone, you know. He's a constant it's annoyance a, in my life. Like a little ghost. No, he's more annoying than a ghost. But, uh, yeah, so I've seen Creed 3. You haven't seen Creed 3, but... Uh, I, I haven't I'm seen sure. any of these Rocky or Creed films. I, th I think I saw Rocky back in the day, and I, I did quite like it, but I've just never got around to watching them all. So what's the point yeah. starting with Creed 3? And I found out I was coming on this podcast about an hour ago, so that did not then give me enough time to watch said film. I, on the other hand, grew up with all the Rocky movies, and your favorite is Rocky Four. I know this much. That is true. Rocky Four is my favorite. It's the, the robot and the robot. Yeah, unfortunately, the robot got cut from the uh, re-edit that Stallone probably like two years ago. I know that as well. It's weird. Yeah. That I know this much about these films despite never seeing them. Rocky Four is like it's probably not the best written or directed, mm. but it's pure 80s cheese yeah and i love it you know yeah. like the music is banging um it's not but, the brains but it's got the heart that's what it's got isn't it hearts on fire but uh yeah so the creed stuff like i've i i love creed one you yeah. know i think ryan coogler is a fantastic director writer mm -hmm. michael b jordan i think he's hit and miss as an actor personally hmm interesting what's the give me some hits and some misses it's literally could still be in one performance in one film like even in creed 3 this is the the stupidest take I think I've ever made. But nobody's just talking normal. Bad actor. But no one is screaming and upset. Good actor. Oh, like he needs like a certain amount of emotion to show any sort of range kind of thing. Pretty much. Yeah. There are actors. There are a lot of actors like that. To be fair, aren't there? Yeah, I feel like that's what he's. And again, like random no, tangent. But do you know who, who the opposite of that is? Is Seth Rogen. You know, whenever he's got to... I, I watched Fable the other day. When, yeah. Whenever he has to go in for it and do some emotion, that guy, I, it doesn't look good. It doesn't work. Anyway, Creed 3. Did you say it's like inspired by some anime 
things, didn't you? Um, yes, it's, he said it's inspired by his love of like Naruto and uh, Dragon Ball Z and a couple of others. You can definitely see that in the fights. There's a scene early on, like very early on in the movie where he's going, it's, I think it's his last fight of his career because he's going to retire afterwards. And um, yeah, like as the as the boxers laid into him, like time slows down and Creed's head like swerves to the left and it's just like a swoosh noise as he does it, like mm. locks in on one part of this man's body, you know, and he goes back, gets, gets, keeps getting beaten up, does the swoosh again, and it hits him in that spot. And it's very yeah. anime. The, the friends I've spoke to who've seen it, of all three of them who I've spoke to who've seen it, have said it. <laughs> and they really liked the other two. So I don't know. Is this in the same scene you're talking about? They were describing a scene where Creed punches the other guy out of the ring and they're in an empty sort of stadium. And then. No, oh, that's right. That's, that's the final fight. Uh, it falls into like a jail cell and it goes into another world or something. I was like, yeah, like they oh. like the crowd and everything disappears around them and like they're boxing, like nobody's around. There's a smoke around the like around the ring. They get punched up against the ropes and they hit like the the bars of a jail cell. Is that they go? They do do the anime stuff, but this okay. is where I think one of the problems with the anime stuff is is like I think it's ninety percent there when they should go hundred percent or zero like, percent because exactly. The cross-pollination of fandoms on this planet is people who like rocky and people who like anime yeah so it's like i think you i think the younger audience will appreciate it and like it yeah they will yeah i am assuming people who actually grew up with the rocky movies being released won't like it that's what i mean um, and apparently that's a lot of the people going into the cinema to watch it are the that old, age. older guys yeah who, who love yeah. rocky and loved creed so yeah so again, you know, all that's happening again. Like, and in those moments, clearly he's trying to take inspiration from anime. And as somebody who's watched a, little, a fair bit of it, I'd, I'd say, I almost expect like like a monologue at that point, you know, from, from that fight. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, God, uh, that's the worst thing ever in anime. Isn't it? And I know it's there, but my, yeah. my God, it annoys me when they do that. Somebody's so about to be punched. It, they're talking about the... The way that somebody's feet are positioned, and then th mm. their grandfather taught them this certain move back in. Uh, then you see all that. That's an entire episode. Like, yeah, do that though. That would have been funny. I would have liked to see that. Yeah, like again, like you're almost fully there and going into anime. You may as well just go there. Yeah, um, it's all obviously inspired by his love of it, like Michael B. Jordan's love of it, because he directed this movie. Mm. This is his directorial debut, and to be fair, for a debut, it's a very good job. I was, I was just about to say, given that a couple of people who told me they thought. It was what, what did you actually think as a whole? Though? Nick, if you if you're listening to this, Sorry, Nick, Nick, please use the bleep because the bleep is funny. I'm not a regular Bob the Podcast guest nor non-swearer, so I'm gonna have to get used to this. As a man who swears a lot, especially when I talk to you, I think mm. you bring it out of me. You bring the worst out of me, Bespin. Probably, I'm probably bringing the worst out of a lot of people. I'm a polite, um, very well-spoken man outside of our conversations. So yeah, like it's. I don't think the film was bad. I think the film was actually good. Like if I was getting a rating, it'd be around a seven, maybe. But I think that the the strength of the movie is Jonathan Majors. I think he's fantastic. Okay. Like he is becoming a, a bona fide star, right? Like the last year or so. Mm. What um, else has he done? Uh, well, he was in Ant Man, which again wasn't a good movie, but he was oh, good in it. Oh, this is um, Lovecraft Country guy, isn't it? This I don't is know why I just Man. Oh yeah, I love him. He's great. Yeah, I, I think him. yeah, he's fantastic in this. Like you know, the story between him and Michael B. Jordan's character Adonis, 
when they were kids, they like Major as a character was like set becoming like a, a phenomenon in the in the boxing world. And he and Michael B. Jordan's character got into a scrap with some with some other fellas and uh he pulled out a gun. He didn't shoot anybody, but he pulled out a gun and was sentenced to jail for eighteen years. Whereas in those eighteen years, uh Michael B. Jordan's character, like he got adopted by Apollo Creed's wife, raised in a mansion, raised with a silver spoon is about at that point. It's kinda Rocky. like the inverse of his role in um Black Panther, isn't it? Yeah, it is. He went on to beat Rocky Balboa and uh, went on to become champion and, you know, is living a good life, whereas his best friend at the time was just in jail. Like, he was writing letters to, to Michael B. George's character, Adonis. Um, he wasn't receiving them. They lost contact. And so when he got out of jail, he wanted to make up for lost time. So Michael B. George's character, like, trains him and eventually there's a turn, you know? And yeah, no, I think his performance is very good. I think, like I said, I Michael B. George... The entire season of Lovecraft Country, which like we've spoke about before is the most inconsistent tv show ever mm. made but mostly is the worst tv show ever made <laughs> but but that guy was great the entire way through it he, yeah. he never ever let it down and in the best episodes he's great and in the worst episodes he's the only good thing worth watching so yeah he's, yeah 100 like so i think the film is good you know i think the the fights the, again they're weirdly done they're inspired by anime so it's the departure from even the fights in the last two Creed movies. Mm. I don't think the music is as good. And Ludwig, who does obviously Mando, did the other yeah. two Creed movies. But he's departed. And Joseph Shirley, who's doing the music for Mandalorian Season 3, is doing the music for this one. Just replacing all his jobs for him. Basically, he is the Ludwig mini-me, essentially. Mm. So yeah, there's... I don't think... So I think there's lost a little bit of something there. Um, obviously, uh, Sylvester Stallone didn't return for Rocky... Uh, for Creed 3 given his beef and the drama with the producers of the Rocky franchise and he's, now he's the always, Creed franchise. He's always got beef about something, that guy, hasn't he? Yeah, he wants Hollywood to Rocky. mesh, do they? Yeah, he wants rights to the Rocky character. Obviously, he created Rocky. Um, the Rocky franchise started with him having an argument with Hollywood over the first film, didn't it? So Yeah, yeah, he uh, with the first film, he wanted to star in it. He wrote it, obviously, but he wanted yeah, to star in it. The studio yeah. didn't want to, so... What he did at the time was he sold the rights to to the movie studio um, so he could star in it, be the yeah. leading man. Yeah. That's now bit him in the backside years later because he <laughs> wants to own some sort of percentage of the Rocky character. And, and not star he, he might star in it at that point, but he's he's very annoyed now. So yeah. I think he's because there's supposedly a Drago spinoff movie. He's annoyed at that. Amazon looking to make I think a Rocky series. And there's moments in this movie where you feel the loss of Stallone. Like there's deaths in this movie where you're like. He should be here to like comfort like Adonis Creed. He should be is here. There an in universe explanation as to why he isn't there. Not in this movie. Uh, okay. In the last movie, he like retires as Adonis's, you know, as his as a coach, but uh, and goes to like reconnect with his son. But it's There's it's no moments of that's why he's not there this time. Then no. Yeah, and you think like again, like their relationship was more than just fighter and coach. Like mm. Adonis would call him uncle. You know, like okay. they had a. A close bond like he he helped rocky through cancer in earlier movies you know just supported him along the way and rocky became a father figure that adonis didn't have so their relationship is so close that he there's moments in this that he should be there i think tessa thompson's character got pushed to the side a little bit i think tessa thompson's a fantastic actress i really like her i would like to see more from her in the, in this franchise but overall like if, if you want a, a fun movie it's something you should see on the on on the big screen i suppose like it's it is it's moving away it's trying to find its own identity now from yeah. rocky um which it probably does need to do oh yeah um, i don't think it hit the strong stride in doing that. We had now? there's been six rocky movies and three creed movies yeah and you've got to start making it into something else by this point haven't they 
yeah, and uh, Michael B. Jordan has confirmed there is a fourth Creed in development. So yeah, I think they do need to start making a departure, making strides to make it the actual Creed franchise, um, which yeah. I, I think they are doing in this one. But again, like I said, in this, he's already retired. He comes out of retirement to fight his former best friend. So it's about how far can he go? Because if he's around 30-something years old in this movie, mm. most boxers have retired, you know, by their mid-30s. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it's how far can he stretch that? I don't know. And I, I think the spinoffs are a good idea. Like, the Drago spinoff um, probably does work well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I'd recommend people go and see Creed. Um, and a lot of people are going to see Creed. It had the highest opening weekend of any Rocky or Creed movie um, oh, wow. worldwide. It made $100 million in its opening weekend, mm. which is pretty significant for a, a, a franchise like this. For a, It's not a high-budget movie, necessarily. Mm. And it brings me to like the question of is this March box office going to be significant? Like with Creed opening to 100 million, that the Creed uh, high in that franchise. Scream mm. is looking to open around 40 million opening weekend, which yeah. is the highest for that franchise. And John Wick is looking to open between 50 to 60 million. Again, high in that franchise. Yeah, there's also a bunch of other movies coming out around it as well. 65, the Adam Driver dinosaur movie, Dungeons and Dragons, Shazam. I think all three of those movies will underperform, at least for what the studio's expectations are. But the ones mentioned, John Wick, Creed, Scream, these are all movies that are very much likely to make far over 200 million at the box office, I'd imagine. I think so, the Shazam one's going to suffer from the fact that, I, 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 for me personally as well, I, I think those movies, until we start getting the other side of the James Gunn takeover stuff, I, I love the first Shazam, and I couldn't care less about this one i really couldn't because how much of it is actually going to mean anything by the time we get around to the next ones and i'm not saying every film that comes out has to just be tied to something else but specifically these kind you want there to be this through line don't you and you, you'll be able to tell me how much is this actually going to have any bearing on stuff that's coming up or this was filmed a while ago wasn't it yeah this was from maybe two years ago um i mean it's this was made way before any new steps were made for dc or anything so yeah it's so basically the way they've implied it is that shazam exists in the corner of of the dcu that he could be part of the james gunn shuffle um i sort of think that what that means is we're not saying he's not in it until exactly made some money for us and then yeah he's not in it anymore because we don't like it (laughs) Whereas the director is saying, like, if you want to see more from Shazam, you've got to go and support the movie. And currently the movie's projected to do worse than the first movie. Like, and the first movie didn't do well. It made, like... But th- this is what I mean. Like, you can't ask people to go see something, which you've told them probably isn't going to count for mm-hmm. all that much, and then judge it on those results. Because people are smart these days. It's not like everybody going to see this is just your average movie fan. Like, most people go see superhero stuff, keep up with this stuff. They listen to a show like this. They Google stuff. They know stuff. They're going to know, just like I do and just like you do, that this might not lead to anything. It... it automatically makes you less excited when you're watching this massive superhero ip stuff mm-hmm. when you're told that it doesn't feature like well, you're not told explicitly it doesn't feature but you, you you don't know where it stands based on the fact that they're restarting things so i don't know i'm not excited to see it. i don't i don't know about you I, i'll see it probably but i'm not excited to see it i didn't really enjoy the first Shazam movie yeah it's i was very lukewarm on it so my excitement isn't very high for this movie. Again, couple that with the fact of we don't know where this is going to stand uh, going forward, which is like, I'm not bothered if we don't get more Shazam. I'm kind of over it. I'm not bothered just... if we don't get more Shazam, but 
it, it's almost like we definitely will get more Shazam, but it, we just don't know if it'll be this Shazam, will we? Yeah, yeah, and it probably won't be considering like how fast the, the kids are aging, you know? Yeah. Um, a- so yeah, it's also felt like Warner Brothers has kind of just sidelined this movie. There's not a ton of promotion. There hasn't been a lot of marketing for it. Whereas they have a lot of confidence in something like The Flash, which comes out in a few months' time. They went um, massive for Black Adam, didn't they, promotion-wise? And, and they lost money, yeah. Yeah, that, it felt like nobody was speaking about that at all, but it was on every single sort of TV show, every single ad, ev- everything. It was on every YouTube video, but then mm-hmm. it just kind of came and went, didn't it? And nobody really cared. Yeah. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons is another one that looks to underperform. I think I think Paramount probably have expectations that that movie will. What, I don't what know. do you think of that? What do you What do you think of the trailer? I don't like it. I don't. I'm so glad you said this because everybody who I've spoke to about it says like, "Oh, I think it looks kind of fun." I, I just think it looks like it looks like one of those films that came out in that era with you know when Disney were trying live action stuff mm-hmm. like say early early 2010s, late 2000s, where it was like Prince of Persia and yeah. John Carter and Mars and mm-hmm. all those, but it looks like one of those, but worse to me. Yeah, like, and this is the thing at the moment. It won't like, be that like, funny. It won't be that good on the eyes. It, it won't be that interesting. It'll just be sort of an average. Yeah, I don't think this, the cast. Like, I don't. I like, I like the cast. Yeah, know, yeah. The cast but, I, but I, but I don't think the the sort of people that can lead to super successful franchises. Like Chris Pine. Like you can say we want about the Star Trek ones. They don't do as well as people had hoped on the spot. No, you no. know. Um, I just like I think this is projected to maybe twenty million opening weekend, mm-hmm. um, stateside, and I just think it's going to end up a form. I'm not excited for it whatsoever, no, but like, and I'm not attached to that IP. At no, all. let's just say that. No. But I also think that everybody who is attached to Dungeons and Dragons, this is not what they want. No, I don't no. think so. Anyway, I, I think they I think they take this IP a lot more seriously than the people who've created this film yeah. do. I think they wanted something that looks more like lord of the rings or something and what mm-hmm. they've got is something that looks kind of more like warcraft that kind of term where they get it and they're going to put in like references and things that the people who like D like but they're also going to poke fun at it a little bit like none of them have mm-hmm. ever played it <laughs> so they're trying to make it appeal to a very casual audience as well yeah and yeah. then when they do this they don't please anybody like no. they they don't please the D fans the, the casual audience they're not going to go and buy a D set after watching this and even if they do it's not going to be reflective upon the film they've just watched so no. this film looks like it's very much going for like the jumanji and like i don't mm. know just that sort of crowd the the, the this weird yeah. swashbuckling modern inoffensive action film that's coming out yeah. like that's what it feels like yeah those are the movies we think are going to underperform the ones that are probably obviously is creed as we mentioned but Scream, Scream 6 is going to come out and like do the franchise best at a, around 40 million in this opening weekend. Mm. It's weird to see like the Screamers going from strength to strength. Like Horror just does not go down, does it? Like it, it is consistently makes money no matter what the budget, what the cast. Like horror never really does badly, does it? Especially no. these big ones like Scream, Halloween, It. Like these ones are massive. It seems strange to me that these just don't stop making money. I think it's with Scream as well. Like one thing I've noticed with this iteration is it keeps appealing to like younger fans. Mm. It's not just the older audience that's going to see it. Like somebody like Jenna Ortega is in this, and she's obviously very popular right now. Obviously with Wednesday and mm. and, and whatnot, that's, and she's very popular on social joy. media. Yeah, she's on every single TikTok and YouTube mm. short and everything, isn't she? Like yeah, like, I think that's what pro- Scream is as well. Scream's quite memeable. I think it's also yeah. got that that going for it. There's a there's a lot of like mm-hmm. videos from Scream that that will go viral. I think that probably the marketing for this is aiming for that as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it's, again, it's trying to go viral on social media. Like, there's a lot of ghost faces appearing in random yeah, cities, and that's what I mean. They know what they're doing. Transport. Yeah, and it's like it's gonna 
again, it's got an 83% Rotten Tomatoes score at the moment, um, mm. which is positive. Like, as I mentioned, like, it seems to be like more than just one generation interested in this. Yeah. Like, you've got the people who followed it from, from his first iteration in towards the late 90s, the first yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously with Courtney Cox and whatnot, and like following it down now to the General Ortega era of people. Um, it keeps going strength to strength. I didn't love the last one, Scream 5. I didn't. I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay, and I thought it was it's way decent. too meta for its own good. Obviously, Scream's always been meta, but I think that took it a bit too far. Yeah, all, the, me the meta stuff. Yeah, they with did all go. The legacy sequel stuff. They randomly start talking about the Last Jedi Reddit threads and stuff, and I was like, "Whoa, we've mm -hmm. gone, we've gone full meta here." But I, I just think it was just okay in almost every department that film, mm -hmm. and there's nothing I didn't like about it. But I hope this one sort of takes that. We, we say this a lot when we get this like safe mm -hmm. first film back, the the rebootquel and whatnot. We say that the second one can obviously stretch its legs a bit more, and I hope this does. I hope it does go for something a little bit different and not just to... You I think cannot the, just do this again, can you? They, no. they obviously can't do that again. I think the trailers for this house look good as well. I am... I'm probably going to see it the day it comes out. I'm excited for it. And... This is I'm, your favourite horror franchise as well, isn't it? Yeah, this is my favourite horror franchise. And I, like I said, I'm glad to see it going from strength to strength, you know, and it's funny that this franchise now is, has been around for over 20 years, and it's growing they're still yeah. growing like you the, know, the halloween franchise yeah it just gets worse and worse <laughs> so i like that's a positive for, for scream you know um mm. i think they'll definitely do a seventh with this cast i don't know where they go after that but i think they will definitely get a seventh out of them oh yeah um and then john wick john wick's looking to open to 60 million which is kind of crazy like it's obviously it's the biggest john wick opening how but many of these can we get how many john wicks are we doing they've already said there's a fifth so oh, okay. we're not so he doesn't die in this one you know um, <laughs> go at some point <laughs> but what do you think of like these though like, with creed doing as well as it is john wick and scream also projected to do as well as they are yeah, march seems to be a yeah and it's this not like yeah nothing bad against these but these aren't massive names are no. they they're not the marvel films like then i don't know well like, not you know got, like huge stars in them, any of these have they really no. they, no. well who is anymore sort of thing but yeah it's it's good it's good news isn't it that people are still going to the cinema and yeah and that's the thing does this do you think, think this the most out of these john wick because it's, it's got the biggest opening weekend mm. on it yeah so yeah. i think i think if john wick probably caps around 300 million i think that's I a way you'd think like say scream would have like longer legs and just stay in for ages like it mm -hmm. feels sometimes you get those horror films don't you where they, they, they have a show in a night for yeah because people just keep booking it. Well, April is kind of quiet. Like the only big blockbuster hit we'd get really would be the Mario movie. Um, mm. And I think that will be big. I do too. Yeah, like Again, I, I, I hate that this is the barometer for how we judge how big a film's going to be. But that's going to be memed like, <laughs> oh, memed like <laughs> a lot. Yeah, because the Chris Pratt thing, obviously. It was getting meme from the start. Anyway, before it even had a trailer, before you heard his voice, everybody was talking about it. And then the trailer came out and it was everywhere. And sort of working in, I've worked in a few jobs, cinema and in video game shops and stuff like that. And Mario is, do not doubt it for a second, Mario is as big as he's ever been. Um, mm -hmm. The merch for Mario, people talking about him, obviously pe like people walking around the stuff. It's just, it's going to be huge, especially for obviously kids. Yeah. A lot I of people I know are going because they're taking their kid as well. So Yeah. 
But this, I think this March box office it could be significant for where cinemas might be this year. Mm. Like looking at this summer, like this June is a, is, is a mental month. You've got Spider-Verse, Flash, Transformers, Indiana Jones, July, you've got Mission Impossible as well. I think it's going to be a stacked summer. And I think it's gonna they're gonna bring in a ton of money. I can't but wait. I can't, I can't wait, wait either. Uh, all those films start coming out and start getting excited about stuff again. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's gonna be good. I think going into the summer, we also have in August, which is a quieter month. It's probably a good thing for this movie. Is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem? I think this looks perfect for what it is. I think it's perfect. I think I'm, the I'm, gonna, I'm gonna shock you here, Bespin. I thought the trailer was okay. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I, 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 I like the art style. Looks really good. It, mm -hmm. It's literally the spider-verse art style isn't it that they've yeah. got for it looks exactly the same i think tonally it looks really good i think I i'm confident this is going to be a really good film i just don't the trailer just didn't get me like over the top excited like i just yeah for for me it it, it works so well because again it was the art style that sold me it was the fact that the turtles are actually teenagers they feel yeah, like yeah. younger teenagers they're not just like when you think oh they could be just 17 18 years old they feel like they're 13 14 years old yeah um which i love you know, oh, don't um, get me wrong. There's, there's, not, there's not something that popped up that yeah. was like a red flag or anything. Everything looks right. It all looks good. I don't know yeah. if I'm just being tentative because I don't want to get too excited and be burned yeah. by it. But it, it just didn't have like a moment in it where I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so in!" Like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Like you had the music as well. Like you know, New York music. Yeah, where they're set and the cast for this movie is insane. Oh like, yeah, you sent me it, and yeah, it's crazy. You yeah, sent me I, before the trailer came out, didn't you? Yeah, I don't know like how well this film will do, but I hope it does well because if this if the trailer is indicative of the movie, it should be a good movie. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Another like summer release towards the tail end is Haunted Mansion. Now I'm not a big Haunted Mansion fan, but you are a man who frequents Disney. A so lot, a lot more than my parks. How was this trailer for you? Everybody who I've spoke to who goes to Disney a lot and has been on the ride and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, Everybody I've spoken to likes the trailer. It, it, this is another one where I don't think the trailer's like mind blowing. It's not sold it to me as it's going to be this great film or anything. But they get they get the tone right. It's so it looks a bit spooky and a bit funny. You don't you're not going too far either way where it's this full on comedy like the Eddie Murphy one, or a full on horror film wouldn't work either. You want there is a tongue in cheek tone to the ride itself. It's more faithful. Oh yeah, so lots and lots of shots. People, people, you can look up YouTube videos and people's done comparisons on pictures and stuff like that. There's so many shots that are straight from the ride itself. A lot of the paintings that are on the wall are pulled exactly from the ride. There's the bit when you stand in the room at the start and the room sort of ceiling extends to reveal like sort of some innocent looking photos where it might mm -hmm. be a guy just stood there looking at you and the, the ceiling expands and pulls the photograph up and then it shows you that he's like hanging above a crocodile that's about to eat him. It's it's perfect in that sense that they're getting everything right from the ride and tonally it's perfect i don't know what else i'm supposed to go on it's a movie based on a ride you know what i mean you can only sort of mm -hmm. go so far to capture that but got a good they, cast they've gone for this a lot of times and to varying degrees of results haven't they pirates of the caribbean is, i think the first two are great the third one is where it sort of starts going wrong isn't it but we got jungle cruise last year which that's built off the back of some really, really thin, thinly written lore mm -hmm. that they've then made a massive film out of. Whereas in this, they've got a lot more to go on. And yeah, I think the trailer looks good. What What about from you who has never been on this ride, have you? And you, you don't have any connection no. to it. What, what do you think the trailer looks like? Because I think that's more important than what I think of it. I think it's a fun movie. I think it's a fun family movie. Uh, yeah. It'll be a, like a good day out sort of thing. Yeah. Um, 
I think the cast is really good. It's a very talented cast. Owen Wilson, Rosario Dawson, Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. uh, Lakeith Stanfeld. We've also unfortunately got Jared Leto in this. We haven't but seen him yet, interestingly. We haven't seen him yet, no. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is also in this. It's interesting so to always... me that, that big, big, uh, pretentious Jared wants to be in a movie about a ride in Disney World, but... But he's gonna be he's gonna be doing Tron, isn't he? He's gonna do the next Tron movie. Yeah, but at least he, he can sort of say, "Oh, it's based on the the, mm-hmm. the film from the eight. Do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah, I don't know. For it's me, it was true that he's in this, but yeah. For me, it looks okay. It looks fun. I don't expect anything spectacular. I don't expect this to be spun off into a franchise. I don't expect it to be big enough no. commercially to, for that. But one thing that's interesting is that this was originally a Disney Plus movie. But Disney felt so confident in it that they bumped it to be in a theatrical release. Oh, that's interesting. Is, yeah. yeah. Mm. Because that because that brings up then the next one of Pan and Wendy, which is... The opposite. Direct, yeah, it's directed by... Is it David Lowry who did The Green Knight? Yeah. Um, so he's directed this one. It stars Jude Law. He's the biggest name attached to it as uh, Captain Hook. And mm. this is just a straight-to-Disney Plus movie. I don't know what what to think about. I like I watched the trailer and I felt nothing for this. I didn't either. Uh, showed it my wife, who's a big Peter Pan fan, and same with the Disney stuff. We we go Disney every year and stuff, so she's as attached to this stuff as I am. And she thought it looked really good. So mm. maybe that's a good barometer to say. I don't. I don't know about you. As much as I love the, the theme parks and the, the animated stuff, I don't really care half the time about these live action ones because. No. I gave a few of them a try, and they're fine at best and nowhere near as good as their animated counterparts at worst. No. And, yeah, I don't know about this one. This I didn't really like the Green Knight, so... Yeah. But it's, also as, it's also as well that the, the, the straight-to-Disney Plus ones are also a lot worse. Like, Pinocchio yeah. came out last year, and that was I thought that was terrible. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. Especially when you compare it to... Del Toro's, which came out at the end of last year, and that was incredible. Um, like, do you always do this. Does anybody know why? When is it because of the timing that something goes into? What is it called? When the, is it like the hundred-year period or the fifty-year period when an IP becomes? Yeah, like, public probably domain? Is. That's why you end up getting like so many films about I don't know, like the Jungle Book in the same year, mm-hmm. and then you get so many Robin Hood films, and now we got two Pinocchio films in the same year, and it's, it's weird, isn't it, that they do this? Yeah. But Disney deciding to keep, especially like at the moment, Disney are going through a transitional phase for Disney Plus where Bob Iger said they're going to cut costs and spending on it, um, yeah. lean more into like their franchises such as Star Wars and Marvel or whatever. And the, I always. The long and short of that was that they're bringing out less stuff and they're going to charge us more. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. And the, the, you no, know, we're all going to keep paying for it, aren't we? Because oh, yeah, 100%. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing with them. So my interpretation was, okay, like one of the first things to go will be these straight to Disney Plus movies. Like something like Pinocchio was expensive and they're not making money back on that. And the critical reception of that was highly negative. So, you know, with something like Haunted Mansion, they were like so confident in it and they're doing all these different, you know, strategies for Disney Plus in terms of costs. Mm. They bumped out of theatrical. Hannah Wendy, they've looked at it and said, no, that's Disney Plus. Yeah. Oh, that's is that indicative of what Disney think is the quality of this movie? You've got to assume so. When you've got literally two films 
mm-hmm. they could put both of them in cinema if they wanted, and they've chosen to put one in cinema that wasn't going to be in, and they've chosen to leave one on Disney Plus because Panna Wendy wasn't a, a confirmed to be a theatrical release first, was it, or was it? No, it was straight to Disney Plus. Exactly. So they had the option to yeah. do the same. They they've looked at two different things here and given one of them a promotion, haven't they? Mm-hmm. I also think yeah. the more I think about it, with Haunted, Haunted Mansion having Wednesday have just come out and been as big as it was and successful as it was it, it makes perfect sense that that so i think it's going to be the exact same sort of tone as that was and it, yeah. it's probably going to look a lot similar in a lot of shots as well so i think that that's a smart move to capitalize on the fact that that was so popular mm-hmm. yeah i again we we just talked about it like how stacked march is for films and that we said april was kind of dead the biggest movie being um the mario movie it, this movie comes out in April, Pan and Wendy, and there's nothing really coming out theatrically in April. You could have, it's a I lot of, in, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of open space there. You could have just done it and made it, at least made some money back probably on it. Um, is did, did Green Knight make any money? Has any of this guy's films ever done? Much? Not really. That's what I mean. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just and, they, they've seen it as an odd thing to put out in cinemas in regards to sort of an mm-hmm. audience but they know if they put it on disney plus peter pan disney plus people are going to be sat at home switch it on I, I don't know i'm trying to think what the reasoning might be beyond yeah. that you've looked at it and gone this isn't very good yeah. but i don't know who knows earlier earlier you mentioned what is a movie star in mm-hmm. in these times that brings me to the ghosted trailer which is written by the guys that did the first two deadpool movies and the director of Rocket Man, and it's called Ghosted. It stars Anna de Armas and Chris Evans. I thought the trailer was okay. You know, I didn't think it was anything special. It's a rom com. Ryan Reynolds movie to not have Ryan Reynolds in it ever. Right, exactly. Ever. And it so stands out that it should be Ryan Reynolds. It's sort of believe- or Ashton Kutcher or somebody. Like, what is Chris Evans yeah. doing with this? <laughs> Before Anna de Armas as well, it was supposed to be Scarlett Johansson in that role. But, I think that probably makes more sense as well, to be fair. She, yeah. yeah. But that's the question, right? Like, Ana de Armas, especially, is one of, like, as, for the number of years, has been a rising talent, right? Like, and she is, a, she's fantastic. Like, in yeah. Blade Runner, in Knives Out, um, even in Blonde, which was horrendous, she was fantastic in it. Yeah. Um, and then Chris Evans, who obviously has led the Captain America movies for decades and his career after captain america was taking this really sort of strange turn where he was either going to be he, he directed something didn't he was it the girl on the train and people liked that or did they like mm-hmm. that i can't remember and then obviously he'd done the um bong joon ho film the snowpiercer film and everybody was like oh we like this guy outside of cap he's really good yeah and, he did the gray man last year with the russo brothers and ryan gosling yeah um, it, it's interesting now that he's ended up in this it, this is this screams of a like I said, an Ashton Kutcher and like Salma Hayek joint, and not. But this is not again, it's written by it's written by the Deadpool it. writers, you know, yeah. like, and directed by the guy who did Rocket Man, which was you know it made quite a bit of money, um, mm. and was received pretty well. But it brings up the question of like the movie star thing, like we know Andy Amos, we know Chris Evans, but like, can they sell a movie? Like it, the whole thing with Chris Chris Evans for me is. He sells Captain America. Yeah. Him and Captain America sell tickets together the same way that Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. sell tickets. I don't think either of them in isolation sell that much, do they? 
saying that though, I do think this film will do well. What was the one that came out? Was it called like Red Notice or so? What was it called? The oh, the right, uh, the Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, Dustin, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, uh, sorry, Ryan Reynolds. The no, Rock and What? Who was in it? Ryan Reynolds, someone. Oh, this is going to annoy me. Anyway, I, I work at the cinema, and that film came out at some point last year. What was it called? It was about... Is it Hitman's Bodyguard Wife? That's the one I'm talking about, yeah. That's the one I'm that was about. dreadful, man. I hated that movie. Right. So many people came to watch that, though. So th These kind of films just kind of do well. It feels like... These kind of films are like what a guy and his wife go and watch. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In their 40s, they're like, oh, you've seen the new one with the guy? And then they watch the trailer and they kind of laugh about it, a glass of wine, and they go to the cinema. What do you think of this for the career moves, though, of like somebody like Andy Amos, who is growing as as a personality and as a talent? I don't know what everybody's thoughts on Salma Hayek and Ashton Kutcher are, but for me to say that this looks like something they should be in should tell you what I think of this for a choice for them. <laughs> yeah. I... I, I I wouldn't be going down this route if I was Chris Evans. Again, maybe it, maybe it paid well. Uh, I assume it did, yeah. I, I, this is it not is who I saw him going down. And I also don't think he's that good in the trailer. No, no. I don't think he's good at being a buffoon. No, he's never, he's not. Maybe I'm so plugged into him being the straight man when everybody else is sort of being goons around him when Thor and Iron Man and everybody, and he's sort of this straight-faced guy, and then... I don't know. He doesn't look comfortable being a, a buffoon. No. Do you know? Do you know? I think this isn't a good choice for him as well. But do you know? I think it'd be like. And again, it's probably because he's just a better actor. I'd like to see, say, Adam Driver in something like this with Anna de Armas, mm. and then that as, as like a one-off because I think he'd be good at this kind of thing, just playing like this buffoon. But I, I don't know. Chris Evans just isn't that good at it for me. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds has built a career on it. That's his thing. Yeah. being like a lovable goon. I, I just don't think. Chris Evans is that. I think Chris Pine's also really good at it, isn't he? He's always good at mm -hmm. like the sort of the character he plays in Wonder Woman. Obviously, like that's perfect. He he, yeah. he came out of that, and he was everybody loved him, didn't he? He was, he was a fun, lovable, like we, rogue kind of guy. But it's like we said earlier, we don't think Chris Pine could really sell a movie. No, know? he couldn't. No, but um, he could probably be, if he was in this, this would make a lot more sense. It's mm. that like. It's the Harrison Ford kind of thing, the, the lovable rogue thing. I just don't think Chris Evans has got that. He's more like a steely, serious guy. Like he he play he could play the villain in something like this a lot better than he could play the character mm -hmm. he's playing. For me, at least. Yeah. But, yeah, I think his career post Endgame has been quite weird. Do you think I he's gonna go on and be a be be like a, a big star? Or do you think he's kind of gonna just coast along? Coast along. I, I hope this is not the same for Anne Armas that I hope she does continue to get bigger and bigger. Like she's good she's currently filming the a John Wick spin-off movie called Ballerina. Um Okay, that sounds good. Yeah, like she's trying to obviously do more serious roles and like, you know, like she did with Blonde, um, mm. more critical acclaim. And like we said, like in supporting roles, like whether it be in Knives Out or uh something like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, like she's yeah. she is fantastic. Um yeah. You know, uh, but going on from that, now we can finally move on to Star Wars news, which is probably the thing people want the most from <laughs> this podcast, and it's taken us close to an hour to get to it. So, ah, uh, we do some waffling on, don't we? So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate for them, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm not too bothered. Um, they should know by now that this this place is a, is a train wreck. You know, is this um, how it usually is then? I'm I'm not causing this, am I? 
No, no, you're not causing this. Me and me and Nick, like I, I don't know what we we're on about last week. We, we, I think we took ten minutes just talking crap before we even started doing any sort of topic. <laughs> you know, I'm, but I also should mention uh, at the end of this, towards the end of this episode, after the Mando review, uh, Nick is doing an interview with the hosts of the Cantina, um, which is happening at the Indigo Two in London. So stay tuned for that, for all the information. I'm going to be there. Nick's going to be there. There's some guests, exciting guests. So yeah, stay tuned for that interview at the end. But going on to celebration, we finally had some panels announced. And really, there was only two that took, you know, my eye, which was the Luke's Showcase panel and the Ahsoka panel. A couple months ago, I said that the Ahsoka trailer will be at celebration uh, and it will be released online as well at, at the same time. Um, I don't know which one is at. I don't know if it's at the Lucasfilm panel or if it's at the Ahsoka panel. The way I interpret it, again, it's a speculation before anybody posts it on Reddit or Twitter or whatever. I would be surprised if we get the Ahsoka trailer at the showcase and then the Ahsoka panel is giving us a more in-depth look at the show. Obviously, conversations with Rosario and Dave and John and other cast members. Maybe they'll show like a bit of extra footage for those in the room which they've done before for The Mandalorian. But the Lucasfilm Showcase panel, that's apparently where we're going to get the announcement of the movie slate, updates on Andor Season 2, probably The Acolyte, Indiana Jones, maybe. Yeah, Skeleton Crew, which is coming out at the end of the year. Like I said, probably Ahsoka. So what's your expectations or what's your excitement for the, for the Lucasfilm Showcase panel? And They've just cancelled two more movies today <laughs> that I got excited about. I, I really... I feel like I'm being really grumpy on this episode. I'm usually Mr. Positivity, but I, I've, there's been a few things that just I'm not bothered about so far on the podcast, and then obviously now coming to this. I feel like I'm being really grumpy. I don't know what to think anymore when they announce a film. How many films have we had announced now that just don't come out? There, there's almost a good... I think it's a level chance that a film that gets announced comes out as it gets cancelled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think they... I think this is why this has come out. Uh, when it has regarding the Feige movie and Rogue Squadron because in the same article it is mentioned that Dame Lindelof's movie has a director it you know that's been growing momentum since the trades reported about it in the summer it's got a writer's room Dave Filoni may or may not be involved takes place after the sequel trilogy may or may not include a sequel trilogy character or characters this is Um, the Lindelof one the Lindelof one Mm. yeah things have been moving very very fast on that one Tiger's movie was supposed to be the 2025 one, but it does seem as if Lindelof has taken that spot. So they they are moving. And I think I feel like the last phase of films they announced, which was obviously the Feige, the Tiger, and the and the Jenkins movies, they're also supposed to be standalones. Mm. I feel like they've kind of ushered past that now. Without ever releasing them, they've now hit their new phase, which is like we're starting with the Lindelof movie, which the trades have said it's been written as a standalone, but with options to go forward as a as a film series if the initial movie is successful. So I feel like that's what the, our future is in terms of Star Wars films. It is the Lindelof movie and where that and what that could springboard. Mm. You know, um, it, is, it is sort of quite worrying i'd sound like a broken record here because everybody's been saying this for years but it is quite worrying how little of a plan they seem to have well how little of a plan they definitely had there can't have been that much 
sort of future planning put in for what they're going for if they can change their slate and directors and films that are coming out and films that aren't coming out around that much I, you'd have thought by now because it's been a long time hasn't it now like you'd have thought by now would have at least been it feels like they were planning these during the sequel trilogy coming out a lot of these weren't they and then they were announcing them just after the sequel tr trilogy finished and then I think that's the timeline correct me if I'm wrong but now it's kind of like they need to sit down and go right what are we doing in terms of long term here because I think I do think they need a film in the cinema quick don't they that's also yeah. what they're thinking here that as much as these TV shows are good they need a film in the cinema big time which I think you said like planning something I think that's the Lindelof one because all the trade report was saying they're taking their time and they're trying to plot it out right they don't want a, a repeat of the sequels again they've, they've done a writer's room with Lindelof like which Filoni is a part of People um, like this guy now, don't they? Because I remember everybody hated that guy at one point. <laughs> I think people yeah. hated him now. Yeah, it's because of obviously like the Leftovers and the Watchmen series. Mm. Um, yeah, both critically acclaimed, and uh, the Leftovers specifically has like a cult following. Um, yeah. And I've seen both series; both are really good. Um, I do trust him, like to do this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't think it'll be out there or anything. Um, I think it'll be fairly safe um and it kind of has to be if you're reintroducing star wars on the big screen but also you are taking it away from the skywalker saga you don't want to go too far away from what made you essentially yeah um so i'm excited for that i think we will get that announced at like formally announced at uh celebration like i said i think they obviously are going to get the ahsoka trailer i think they might show skeleton crew stuff to people there yeah um and maybe then the acolyte i don't think they'll show footage of the acolyte or andor or whatever but i think they'll give updates because this is the uh f the the next the next celebration is until 2025 yeah. so i think they'll give us updates in orlando on... as well from what people are saying isn't it yeah i think if it will be that's the case i will fuck i will 100 percent be there yeah yeah, definitely. The, the last the last celebration in Orlando was so good. Obviously, because you're surrounded by so much more other Star Wars and like mm -hmm. sort of fandom based stuff. It just like the whole of Florida turned into Star Wars land for the week or so, two weeks I was there. So yeah, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, and then do you want to move on to Mando now? Can do. It's up to you. Yeah. Um... So Mandalorian season three, episode two, dropped today, um, and I thought it was a very, very good episode, much better than last week's. Yeah, you, you liked it a lot more than last week's. Um, yeah, I probably did as well. I, I think I liked it more than last week's. Um, yeah. Well, for me, the, I, I like how many creatures we're getting at the minute. We, we we're back to the season one weirdness, aren't we? Of getting all these different creatures and all these different sort of locales and we're, we're jumping around all over the place so that that's good yeah I th what i liked about this episode specifically was like i said it's the creatures um it's the creatures it's how funny the episode was as well like starting off we on a lighter tone uh, going back to tatooine with pelly um and seeing the interactions with her and grogu um i really did like the scene um in which she uh like where she's ripping off the Rodian. Um she and the Jawas have a little scam going on. 
um, which kind of reminded me a little bit of Tika from uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who was also having a scam on him, stealing his uh, the things he owns and selling them back to him. Um, so I like that little connection there. Um, so the opening scenes on Tatooine, I found uh, to be quite fun. Uh, Pelimoto was a character that I didn't like early on when I first saw season two of The Mandalorian. But with Boba Fett and like this, she's really grown on me as a character. She's a, um, she's a fun like video game NPC that you joined back up with, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, like I quite like her now. And um, like I said, I think like just go, I think everything on Tatooine was just fun, and obviously uh, giving us R five to to carry on into the the meat of this episode is which is going to Mandalore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I did love how much Grogu seems to care about R five. He's so worried about him as he's yeah uh trekking off to go to the caves um Gregory is us isn't he he loves like he loved the um oh what are they called i can't remember the species he loved the babu fricks last week like he mm-hmm. loves the droids he's he's us isn't he yeah and i think this was a great episode for grogu as well like we get so many like cute little moments with him he's very talkative no he doesn't talk but he was talkative in this episode a lot of squeaks a lot of noises yeah um a lot of patu you know um He's kind of. I know he he did the first time, obviously, where we saw him use the force and stuff. But he's becoming more and more useful. He's not a hindrance at all anymore for Mando, is he? He is. If he wasn't, if he wasn't there, Mando would be doomed a lot of times now. Like Mm -hmm. he's. I don't know. How how much of the um, stuff that you know about this show have you spoken about on this podcast so far? A lot. So, have you spoken about Mecha Grogu? Yeah, I was gonna. I didn't want to bring it up yeah. in case you'd not said it on here before. But I said to you after I'd seen it today, I'm sure that that spider thing is what they're gonna launch him in. But then I think you you told me after, hadn't you? That's that's not the case. But every time I see, Best been told me like a week ago about this Mecha Grogu thing, and I can't get it out of my head now to the point where mm-hmm. every single time I see a droid, I'm thinking of a way to fit Grogu into it. To when they first got to the planet, and Din said that the air, obviously they've been talking about the air being uninhabitable for weeks. Um, he gets out of the the ship, and I was hundred percent sure that R five would go out. And then when we see him at the bottom of that sort of crater that he falls into, and then he's not moving, I was like, "Yeah, that's it." They put in Grogu in him, and then when the big spider tank thing comes in, "Yep, Grogu's going in that." So you've you've really you've really put this in my head now. I can't get away from it. Yeah, yeah. It's I. I think Mecha Grogu is gonna be very funny when it happens. Like, whether it's intentional or not, I think this it's gonna sell a lot of toys. Um, I've, I've told some people about it, and people are not happy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, when... and I've tried to preface it by saying I think it'll be a comedic thing, and it won't last long. I don't think we're getting going forward. He's Mecha Grogu. But no, th- no matter what way around I try and sell it to people, people are like, no, that sounds crap. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. When when that came out, the story came out. That was a lot of the reaction. I thought it was funny, and a lot of the reaction was negative. I, um, think I don't think be funny. I don't think it'll be. Yeah, too I don't think. I think once it actually happens, people will laugh at it. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like going in, into that, then like um, seeing Mando take on those creatures that you know jumped him. Like, there's a contrast in the scene when Bo-Katan fights them. Like Mando, he struggles to fight these four dudes, especially mm-hmm. when he whips out the dark saber. Whereas Bo-Katan, she takes him out with ease. She's 
she's aware of her surroundings. She knows they're above her and shoots them down and fights them and, and dispatches them within like 30 seconds. I was going to say exactly this, dude. If this, if what this season is leading to, which is what people think it's leading to, is just Din and Bo fighting for the right to rule Mandalore or some sort of version of that, Din is going to get his ass handed to him, isn't he? Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to fight this season. I don't think they will at all. Do you know this is just a theory that I have. Like, mm -hmm. this isn't... I don't think he cares else. about ruling Mandalore, does he? That's not what he wants. No, I don't think he cares, no. But what I think will happen is, because she gives him the, the Darksaber back in this episode, mm -hmm. uh, which we'll get to, but um, I think there'll be a scenario where they're back on Mandalore, Gideon will show up, maybe beat Din, get the Saber again, Bo beats Gideon, gets the Saber, and they set up the Mythosaur, right? Yeah. And I think she's going to tame and ride the Mythosaur and have a Darksaber by the end of the season. Oh, wow. So she, cool. Yeah, she would be the rightful ruler of Mandalore at that point, you know? Um, I don't know about you. There's been, like, a big debate around this stuff online, and we haven't got into it yet, so it's not bothering me that much, but I, I don't think the Mandalorians are that interesting. As, like, this whole... I like Mando, and I like Bo being involved, and I like that stuff, but, you know, when we get into the whole... Like blah blah blah's taken the dark saber in battle from this person, and the creed says that and it gets all into that kind of aspect of it. I just I get a bit bored. I quite like it. I quite like it more in this than I did say in something like Clone Wars. Um, We've seen it all in Clone Wars as well, haven't we? That's that's maybe yeah. what it is for me. Is that I'm I'm like we we did this and. I don't. I don't know if you ever played the Kotor games. You get so much into the Mandalorians mm -hmm. and what goes on in those games and. Even then, I was like, "Oh, come on!" That I, a bunch of people have spoke about this on a bunch of different like YouTube channels and stuff. But they're the, kind of the only thing in Star Wars that you could pick up and put in any other like sci-fi franchise, and they wouldn't stand out as wrong. Mm -hmm. If the Mandalorians were the enemy in a Star Trek episode, yep, it works. Battlestar Galactica, whatever it is, they just they just work as like a generic sort of army of people, don't they? Um, but saying that, we haven't gone what I thought we'd go down. I thought it was just going to be all Mandalorians on Mandalore arguing about political stuff and I, I didn't want that. So I'm glad the show's mm -hmm. going the way it is. The Mythosaur thing, that's... So you think Bo's going to fight the Mythosaur? I don't know if fight's the right word, but I think she'll tame it tame and it. ride it. Um, He's going to like uh, Chris Pratt like to blue it. Just I don't know if she'll do that. You know? I hope not. Calm down. You know, but uh, but like yeah, like so just seeing the contrast between how he fights those things off and then Bo does, like she is a badass and she is far more capable the, than the, he the is. Slide move under the spider droid and like slice mm -hmm. it. Up. Cool. Yeah, like and like, it's nice to see them exploring Mandalore. Um, it got to this point far quicker than we I than I thought. You know, I thought like a lot of the season would just would just be getting to Mandalore. Yeah, in the second episode. That. The we wouldn't be going there until next season this was just going to build to it but yeah so we got there and then um like you said going on into the to the droid i thought the droid um the vehicle is in was a was a great design and then the dro the the creature itself with the cybernetics coming out he was he's fantastic got, he's got like a grievous guard sort of electrical stick hasn't he yeah and then he, he's built like half droid but a bit of he's a bit like Grievous, isn't he? The way he moves and the way he looks, like he he looks half robot, half alien, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he is. I think there's he's obviously like his head at least is organic, 
um, yeah. with that one eye he has and the rest of him is cybernetic yeah um he was a really cool design really cool design and i think that goes for the like it's him his vehicle that he uses but also um the uh like early on like when they're going through you see those creatures in in the sewers you know i thought they were well designed um which that one later chases grogu again um, wikipedia will probably prove me wrong or something but these don't look like anything we've seen that much before we've definitely not seen most mm -hmm. of these in live action have we the creatures that are there no i don't i don't I, again i don't know i haven't researched it but i was just taken by the designs yeah the, the um, weird like guys the, the weird fishmen people they were fighting i've not seen those before not seen them in any of the games or anything either so yeah and um yeah so going from there and then like didn't get captured the thing taking what appears to see blood from it you know um i assume that maybe that's how that creature gets to survive um you think it's like just literally getting his blood to survive you don't think there's any more sort of repercussions from that no i don't think so um you know and again i like that grogu is down there and he's you know he's worried about mando he tries to go to him and tries to use the force uh it doesn't work out and he goes i love that he goes to bow i love that din is like hey go to bow they showed it they showed him on the on the on the radar on the way in how to get there mm -hmm. um you know i thought i loved bow in this episode i, I really i really loved um katie sackoff and her performance you know um it was great i i really did enjoy her um and every scene she was in i enjoyed her in the brief scene she was in last week and uh yeah she's she's just so badass man you know like she is my favorite part about this episode i love the mythosaur i love the but, design the creature oh, designs did you picture the mythosaurs and did, did you picture it being like this huge thing that it is it looked absolutely they were next to its eyeball yeah like and yeah. they were the size of its eyeball like i always thought of it about the size of the what was the thing that they fought in the first season i forget its name every time the mud horn the mud horn i always picture it about that size I always pictured it to be bigger than a mudhorn. Um, I, I pictured it to be the thing that Boba Fett like, was riding. Right yeah, I guess mm -hmm. once you made the mudhorn that size, you have to make the Mythosaur way bigger because otherwise think, it's just a different shaped mudhorn, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's why they showed us um, the the crocodile thing last week. And so we saw that and was like, oh my God, like that's a beast. Yeah. And then this week we're like, oh, it's Godzilla. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, and again, I had a, a text from a friend earlier, and I can't remember the exact wording, but he sort of said, I, I, "Mando just does so many." Uh, no, he just said, "I can't, I can't believe how many things Mando gives us live action." I said, that, "I think that's kind of the point with Mando, isn't it?" The, mm -hmm. the point of the show where there's been this big debate online about, "Oh, do you even want to watch and uh, Mando when you consider like how good Andor was?" But I just think that their jobs are completely different. We've spoke about this being Andor's this HBO drama that kind of espionage show where mando is there to sort of give you every single just wild childish dream that you've ever had and i don't think that's a bad thing but how many times did we like as kids talk about that and be like oh that you'd read some on some book that you'd been bought at mm -hmm. christmas some like fact file things like oh the mythosaur i wonder if we'll ever see this in a film and it is literally that being played out isn't it we're getting so that's much stuff like that not just clone war stuff yeah. we're getting stuff we've always spoke about like that yeah, but I think that's the beauty of having John and Dave do this show, is John always says, it's like, yeah, he gets to play with his toys. 
Like that's yeah. how he sees it. Um, you know, and Dave obviously he's, he's always been obsessed with Mandalorian. He's he's yeah. I think they're the perfect partnership for this show. Yeah, and I always we've said this on this podcast many times. Me, Nick, and Pervy. We always compare it to McDonald's. These are the French fries. Everybody loves the French fries. It goes with anything. You know what you're getting. Um, and it's something on the menu for everybody. You know, yeah. like in terms of all the Star Wars content we get now in live are action. We, are we saying all Star Wars content is something on the McDonald's menu here? Yes. What is Andor from the McDonald's menu? It's above the rest of it. Like just like the signature burger. That's what I'm saying. Which called. item on the menu? Oh, you're saying it's like the signature, like when they do like a yeah. Canadian maple bacon burger or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like one you. of the signature things. Obi Wan is the Big Mac, I'd say. You know, um, well, just like crowd pleaser, it's it's there. You've you've always yeah. had it when you when you need it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also chicken nugget is one of the two. You know, what is the, what is the bad batch best bin? Oh, it's the happy. <laughs> It's a happy meal with with a fruit bag, you know. Like, it's not. It's for the kiddies, and you know, it's not the best happy meal. That ha- let me tell you, the happy meals don't make me happy, you know. Um, okay. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I like the episode of Bad Batch this week, but. Um, Why are you watching it now? I watch the good episodes, the the ones people tell me is are good. Oh, so, so you you are literally getting the happy meal with the fruit bag and moving the fruit to one side and just eating the nuggets. That's your bad batch. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow, I think I've gone too far with this McDonald's thought here. But... I've only watched. There's been twelve episodes of Bad Batch, and I watched four. I'm like eight in. I don't watch yeah. it when it comes out. I've I've just been watching it whenever I've had chance. Yeah, um, but yeah. So yeah, like going then through the rest of 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 Mando, like. Um, seeing her like use the dark dark saber to take down um, that creepy little creature, you know, was just fantastic. Like she's mm-hmm. so fluid with it. Um, they they perfectly show the way Din just cannot handle it, can he? He cannot lift no. it. He can't swing it. He can't do anything. And then yeah. Din just go- uh, Bo just comes in and she's just one hand <laughs> swinging it around like it's nothing. Well, it shows like how. How kind of crappy is as a Mandalorian? Like he couldn't take on those dudes earlier. He's yeah. get, he gets captured. Like, he's, he's always like, like the Mister Magoo, isn't he of, of Star Wars? He's since season one, he just blunders everything. <laughs> I love it. I love that mm. he's not this. That was my biggest fear when this show first got announced that he was going to be just badass Mandalorian guy. Like I, I didn't want that. Mm. He's yeah. definitely not that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's good for like somebody like Bo who. I think by the end, like I said, by the end of the season, I think she will be the ruler of Mandalore. She will ride a Mythosaur. She will have the Darksaber. And I think this is all building up to that. This is showing us why she should. Like, Din's quest this season is to just be redeemed. He, mm. He's never wanted to be the ruler of Mandalore. Yeah. Like, that's not what he wants. He just wants to be a Mandalorian. Um, She's currently and, not by the creed, is he? Yeah. So, and again, so like... After he's rescued, like Bo wants to go, and he's like, "No, I want to go down into the mines, go into the living waters." And on the he way there, she's just has a nightmare in that water as well. So it just slips off. The... He's, he's done the like it's it's the short path to the deep end. He's done there. <laughs> it's just fallen straight down. I don't think he fell. I think he was pulled. Oh, you think the myth still gave him like a, a pull? Oh, yeah, down? yeah. I was gonna say give him a little tug, but I don't know if that's the right word. But um... I specifically didn't say that. <laughs> like so. Sorry. Nick. Um... I don't think Nick needs to edit that. 
You can tug somebody down. The mythical giving Mando a tug. Tug tug down underwater, yeah. Well. It's, it's just context, isn't it? You know? But um Yeah. So that's what I think happened. But again, on the way there, she's focused on she's still like she she takes the mick out of the uh out of the theatrics of it all. You know, she doesn't have respect for it anymore. Um she I, talks like about, that. I do too. She talks about the division within you know, all these talk, she keeps um, call everything that he refers to as like the creed. She, she keeps referring to as child stories, doesn't she? Yeah, because they're the children of the watch, aren't they, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she doesn't believe it. Like she reads the uh, the passages on the wall, and you know about a mythosaur and everything. She just doesn't believe it. And again, I think that she even was reads the... it with. I don't know if this. I've made this from my but she even reads it with quite like a. A sarcastic tone, doesn't she? Was like, and everybody yeah. came down to the and the mythosaur, yeah. the legend. Like she doesn't have respect yeah. at all, does she? Well, she says to Din, doesn't she? Before she reads it, like, let me give you the full experience. Like, yeah, the full um, yeah. he's there taking it like deadly serious, you know, mm. having this, you know, religious moment, pretty much of you know going and essentially getting baptized. Um, it's a big moment for him, and she's just not taking it seriously. She doesn't believe in any of of the myths of of the prophecies, and and that's what's wonderful about it is that she comes face to face with it. And I think the mythos looks great in this scene. I think it looks great. They definitely I, put a lot more money into this season. I think they put more money into it, but I also think it's had the longest post production. Typically, like. The Mandalorian seasons, they come out about seven months after the show wraps filming. Uh, this one has had a year. Um, do, you, do you think they also saw Randor and went, right, guys, we can't put it out as it is. We need to make this look a lot better. Because <laughs> Tony, Tony Gilroy stuffed us here. I don't know. Because this is, I, I think, I think they need to do this with every show. Yeah, they oh, yeah. They, it, they need to give it a year in post production. Because, like, Kenobi came out. Kenobi wrapped in August 2021 mm. and it came out in May. Like, that's a short turnaround. Boba Fett was the same. It wrapped in June and came out in December. Like, and I feel like a lot of people complained about the effects in both of those shows, like how prominent the volume was in shots. Yeah, yeah. And this is using the same stuff. And again, like, when it's a John lot of, sort of big, like, sweeping vistas and stuff like that in this, though, mm. that we never. Yeah, oh, maybe we did get them in Mando, but they just weren't as good before. I can't remember, but yeah, there's a lot of shots in this way. You sort of go, "Oh wow, that looks amazing," but where you wouldn't before in Mando regularly, would you? Yeah, yeah, and this is, we got to this point, and I think they've they have telegraphed us now that Bo will write that mythosaur. You know, mm. like they she will have a connection with that mythosaur this season. Um, they've set that up. They're probably going to go back to Mando's little cult. Um, in the next I know, episode, I know, you, I know you've said that they want to tame it and stuff but i do hope mm -hmm. they fight it I maybe they will have to fight it to like you know tame it. respect mm -hmm. do you think they fight it and yeah. sort of win and it turns around and goes right you, you, you can now jump on my back mm -hmm. let's go yeah yeah and again i think it'll be bold to to do it mm -hmm. um that's what her arc is din's arc is just to be redeemed um which he probably is and the nature of what din does episode by episode is not he cannot travel the places he needs to go on a mythosaur, can he? he he's a globe trotting 
crazy yeah. old man, isn't he? He can't be just stuck there. Whereas she just wants to be on Mandalore. The second she gets there and she... What? Actually, I don't know. She gets she gets there and she's smiling, isn't she, on the way down? And then Din turns around at one point and says, "See, Mandalore isn't cursed." And she's like, "Isn't it?" Because look around, everything's just gone. So yeah, that I don't know. Do you think her plan is to rebuild that civilization? Well, now she knows she, there's a possibility. I think you know. Well, I she needs that. to become the ruler. Of... Was smiling, but then when she gets down there, she's like, "Oh no, everything's gone." Well, it, she it, needs to become the ruler of Mandalore again. You know. Like that's why her crew left her is because like she yeah. has no claim now. Yeah. Um, and it does bring up the question as well. Like when Din, Din didn't kill Gideon to get the saber. He just yeah. bested him in combat, which was a trick by Gideon anyway. Din was bested by this little creature, right? Yeah. It wasn't a fight, He's... but he was bested by him. Creatures right? the ruler of Mandalore. Yeah, like that. <laughs> Well, the creature's the rule of Mandalore for about a half hour, right? Yeah. And then yeah. Bo destroys him with the Darksaber, so she really should be... Oh, it's such a stupid thing, isn't it, though? And again, and she gives him the Saber back later on, so it's like... Uh, yeah, you, know, it's, it's, you can get so semantic with what is best in somebody in combat. And... You should just have to kill someone, and then it'd make it way easier, is... wouldn't it? But this is the thing. This is why my theory is, like, once they're on Mandalore, like later in the season, mm. Gideon might beat like Din because clearly, like in season two, he purposely lost that fight, right? Yeah, yeah. So this time he'll come down, he'll beat him, take the saber, and I think Bo, like, like she wanted in season two, will finally get him, defeat him, take the saber for herself. I I think it's a really solid theory you've got, and it probably will go like that but i hope it doesn't because that seems too neatly tied up for me to set a whole season around it just for it to go exactly the way you think i don't know i think i think we're i think this the show was always rumored to be like about the restoration of mandalore like initially when it was first created um mm -hmm. and i think we we fulfill that in this season right like and then I think so. Once the the restoration of Mandalore's happened, Bo sat on the throne with the Mythosword. She's petting it on the side. Everything's rosy on Mandalore. What then is the point of the show? Because I thought yeah. when we splinter off at the end of season two, that we were having this thing of it was about Grogu and it, is he going to want this training from Luke? Is he going to want this training? And he from didn't. Luke? Yeah. And, and, and he didn't. And then you resolved it in Boba Fett. So they obviously then didn't want to do that at all mm -hmm. you can't then go back to doing that again where he's like is he no. gonna keep him is he not you've already done that you can't tease us with that again no. so i don't think you will after this i think I you're gonna start seeing in well ahsoka and skeleton crew i think will ask, start to usher in the new phase there's rumors that in the ahsoka show she goes to either part of the galaxy we've never seen before or a new galaxy as a whole and that's where ezra and thrawn are and Thrawn is out there with an army. Sweet. That'd be cool. And then if that's how they're coming back, that's the new threat against the galaxy, is Thrawn and his army, and that oh, could be... Yeah, that'd be cool. Possibly then how you see the First Order later on. Because yeah, like, John and, John and Dave did say... Characters all band together. That'd be cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You show, they, and again, Kathleen Candy said it uh, almost three years ago now, that there would be a crossover event between all these shows 
um and you know that's coming um so that's what i think will be i think i think by that point as well all the rebels will be in it won't they yeah well the, a lot of the rebels are, are in um what you call it in the soka that's what i mean they'll all be in it and like established mm-hmm. with mando and they'll they'll yeah. be a crew together yeah so i think that's where we're going i think we'll usher in like a new phase after mm. this i think ahsoka is very important um going forward um and i'm excited for what's to come you know i'm excited for the rest of the season of mandalorian i'm yeah. excited to see what ahsoka and skeleton crew bring um so yeah and i think that does it for us today and um, just one more bit because you won't mm. notice this because we seamlessly went through it but there was a couple of bits we didn't do from the last bit and i wanted to hear your thoughts on it because i had to go pee but we didn't talk about the the tyker to star in his own star wars film thing what do you think of that um it's something i never thought of but it makes total sense considering he stars in all his own movies whether it's the <laughs> thor movies hunt for the wilder people what we do in the shadows of course he wants to be in his own movie um they compared it to a size of uh when he played Hitler in uh, Jojo Rabbit, which is fairly significant. Oh, yeah, it was um, so I don't, I don't mind know. it. I don't know if I've, uh, how I feel about that. Too I don't know how I feel. Like in my mind, I don't mind it as long as it's... I think Tiger's face is becoming very recognizable to the mainstream, but his People voice also is. Have turned round on that guy, haven't they? That he was the golden child of like franchise filmmaking for a couple of years there, and it feels like people. Have, Whenever I see his name brought up now, it's like, oh god, don't do the tax Star Wars movie. It's just, like, like a lot of people are fickle. Like they are, yeah. He's made one movie that a lot of people didn't like. That's in, it. In, in Love and Thunder, but he got, he, was good. Yeah, Wilder People, Ragnarok, Jojo Rabbit, What We Do in the Shadows, all fantastic. Like for me, like he had one miss out of five. Yeah, I still trust him. I still think he's a good director to bring on board. Mm. Um. And again, like people also remember, he's not writing the script on his own. He's writing it with the person who that wrote in 1917. Yeah. Like, I, I do trust the Tiger stuff. And I, I trust him. And, I, and I'm not one of these people who doesn't want it to happen now just based off of one film. But I'd be mm-hmm. lying if I said I wasn't less excited now than I was. Because you're just always going to be, aren't you? I, I was so excited because he had this 100% batting average and I didn't think he could do anything that I didn't mm. like. And then he did something I didn't like. So now I'm kind of, uh, Yeah. Just yeah. a bit less excited. But And the two other films that got shelved, obviously. I know we spoke about the fact that they did get cancelled way earlier in the show, but I know I'm not going to be part of a big crowd here, but I'm devastated that we're not getting Rogue Squadron. Mm-hmm. I so wanted that film. Like, I, I love the pilot stories in star wars i always think they're great and we've never really put too much emphasis on them outside of the cameos that they get in the main saga films we never have anything about pilots though do we we just have yeah. main characters piloting ships and again patty jenkins obviously lost a lot of people's faith with like the couple of things she'd done but i don't know what my what... thing with rogue squadron was that i would like to see repurpose as a show oh that'd be even better yeah i'd, I'd way prefer that I'd way, way prefer that. A bunch of pilots sort of don't just make it about what they're doing in the air, like make it... Top Gun just came out and everybody absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. It made loads of money. Just use that as your example of how to create drama, both obviously in the air and on the ground, and just put X- X-Wings in instead. And yeah. as you show, like people would yeah, love I think, that. 
Yeah, no, I think that that'll be a big sell for Disney Plus. That'd be um, huge, huge stuff. Uh, did we ever get any news on what Feige's thing was actually going to be about? We didn't know. Did. All we knew was Michael Waldron, who did Loki and uh, Multiverse of Madness, was writing it. That's all we knew. Yeah, that's what I mean. That was so early in like development that, that nobody can have had any attachment to that. And Feige doesn't he doesn't direct stuff mostly anyway. So as you said, we, there's not doesn't really an expectation to have on yeah. that regardless. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm bummed out about Rose Squadron. You've sold me on a way better version of it, though, by saying that I, I would much rather have it as a show than a movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, use Maverick as the inspiration. Have something like an Andor sort of thing. There's, Andor I think... Maverick as yeah. your inspiration. Which is what she said she was doing anyway. I remember that video coming out. She stood in front of a like a, an X-Wing, isn't she? In a Rebel pilot outfit. And she says her yeah. dad used to be a pilot in World pilot, War II. Yeah. And that video gave me goosebumps. I loved it. And mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. As the only man on earth who was excited for squadrons and kept playing <laughs> it for a while. I'll, yeah. I'll fly this pilot flag. <laughs> well, hopefully, that's what Hopefully, one day it does get repurposed to a series. Mm -hmm. um, I think they'd be foolish not to do it, really. Um, but like I said, uh, that kind of wraps us up now for the vast majority of this show. Um, this is it from me and Ant. Nick is going to do a little interview with the guys from Creed. Not uh, not Creed. What am I saying? Creed. Ash. Not Ash. sacrifice. Because when you are with the, that Creed, that's what I want him to interview. Yeah, no, I was still thinking of the Creed movie because I'm looking at our, uh, our show notes. Oh, I think um, early 2000s. Yeah, he's, rock band Creed. So he, yeah, unfortunately not. It'd be cool if he had an Ash Creed collaboration going Nick, on. Get on that. Get interviewing Creed. So, yeah, he's... Uh, He's going to talk to Ash about the upcoming Cantina um, event, uh, which is taking place in April. Uh, so over to Nick, and thank you to Ant for coming in and replacing Nick for me. I no think way. you did a good job. You know, Thanks. maybe Nick lost his spot. You know? See you, Nick. Right. Well, over to Dick. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I begged him for years, years and years and years, and finally he's given in. Bespin has let me interview someone. So yeah, we're here today to talk about one thing and one thing only. If you're going to a Star Wars celebration in April, then uh, you might have heard about a little event going on on the Sunday evening called Hashtag Cantina 2. I've got the guys here, the organizers. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Sure, I'm. my name's Mark. I am the, the three-string bass player from the Irish indie rock band Ash, who have been you know playing music for over 30 years now. Jed is a much better at throwing, like, <laughs> I had to give him the pitch, <laughs> so I'm going to like pass over there. I'm Jed Shepard. I am uh, primarily a filmmaker, writer, producer, director. I'm mostly well known for Host, horror film that came out a couple of years ago, and then Dashcam that came out last year. And I'm one of the organisers of Cantina. Um, I'm going to hold off explaining what it is until my inside is go. And I'm Martin Keeler, lifelong uh, Star Wars fan, have been involved in many fan groups. Uh, basically, I have no business sharing the stage with these two guys, uh, but I guess the bit I bring to the party is uh, I tend to have a habit of putting their wild ideas into reality and stressing about it at the same time, but then loving every second of it secretly. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Oh, I'd like that probably be the same to be fair, so I can't blame you, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the event itself happening at the Indigo O2, so that's a yeah. nice big arena, isn't it? 
Yeah. So, so last time, 2016 is the is the first time we did it, mm. and Ash headlined again. Me, me and Martin basically put it together without really knowing what we were doing. I'd put on gigs before, but this was kind of like on another level. And <laughs> you know, we were a little bit worried about it because we just didn't know how it, how it would be received. Because there's nothing really like this out there, and there still isn't. So we did it in 2016. It ended up being one of the greatest nights of music and Star Wars ever and the re- the the reverberations from that gig still echo through <laughs> uh the world right now cuz um you know the um, it, I'm going to take credit cuz it was my idea but calling it hashtag #cantina meant it it um loads of people were talking about it and what happens when loads of people are talking about something with a hashtag it trends worldwide so yeah so everyone was talking about it and in the in the years up until now um we have tried to do it again uh, mm-hmm. a few times. Most recently, last year for Anaheim, things conspired against us to get that done. But um, we still hope to do it in America one day. But mm. this year, back in Europe, back in London, we thought, okay, we, we, we can't let this go. Mm. But this time, we have the foundation from 2016. So we, we, we're not just going to put on a gig. We, we can build on the foundation we've already built and make a massive you know step forward in i think we're calling it a confestival which is a con- <laughs> convention and music festival together uh we are we're doing things that you won't believe J- just to give you a, a quick overview same lineup as last time because if it ain't broke don't fix it we've got uh blues harvest the amazing blues harvest which you m- might have seen mm-hmm. in um you know they did the mandalorian kind of launch thing a couple of weeks ago yeah, which me and Martin went to amazing just such accomplished um musicians they're even better now than they were in 2016 joining them on stage will be uh darth elvis playing his last ever live gig darth elvis is leaving the building and we can't (laughs) let him go without giving them a proper send-off then we have the multi-million record selling band ash uh featuring featuring mark um on bass and uh these guys are massive and mark will tell you about in a bit the ultimate Star Wars fans, uh, ever since they launched their first album, full of Star Wars references, and they're, they're, they're just known as Star Wars fans. And there's loads of stories he's going to tell you about that. And they're headlining. So if that was just it, that would be worth your your, your 36 quid that you paid to, to get into this gig. That would be worth it. But that's How not much just did you say? It. 36? 36 yeah. 30, yeah. I, I, f- I feel like we're giving you... I, I feel like... As an absolute I feel like we're paying deal. you... Yeah. Still absolutely still yeah but then that would be fine if it was just that. even if it was just that i think that like you should be paying twice that but anyway luxury venue yeah. Yeah. beautiful venue oh my god this venue is beautiful so prince has played there that's kind of know, yeah prince that's not for me that's, yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm exactly sold. so you've got that and then you've got Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm leading up to, to the cool stuff. So then you've got the merchandise. The merchandise, very important last time. We didn't realise the merchandise was would be so popular. I think Martin knew, but I didn't. People like limited edition Star Wars adjacent uh, non-IP uh, infringing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so that's what we did last time, and it, it we sold out so fast. So now we, we've learned from that, and we'll mm. make sure there's enough to go around. Then we've got the Star Wars cocktails, which... I'm only going to say the last venue that we we had, which was also in the O2, that was called Brooklyn Bowl. Mm. Um, they had the biggest ever bar take in the history. 
because of um, because of the Star Wars cocktails that we put oh, on. Wow. So we're gonna again learn from that. Make sure mm -hmm. we have enough milk to make the blue milk drink because uh, <laughs> we had to, we had to send out for for pints last time. Yeah. Um, and we so we'll have the the usual, but we're gonna like try and, and up our game on that as, as well. And then we have the narrative that runs through the whole night because it isn't just a concert. It isn't just cool stuff happening. You have you're part of an immersive experience where you are in a cantina and we're theming <coughs> it as a Star Wars-esque planet that's very desert-like and we have um, um, you know, a narrative running through the entire night, a story. Last time we did a story, this time we're doing a story plus because we have the aesthetics around you as well and right. we have special, special guests going to be on stage as well and we've announced some of those special guests uh, which I'll come to now. The thing that makes this different from 2016 is the fact we are we have signings, and mm. we have pre we probably have as many signings as they have at at celebration. <laughs> no, yeah. we don't. Yeah, pretty, no, pretty we close. don't. They've got 40 there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but like you can line up we twice. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we have a, a lot of amazing, amazing, amazing people. Martin can run through that list if he wants to. But this is unlike any gig you've ever seen because you'll be watching these amazing bands, and there, right next to you, is Greedo in the cantina. Greedo watching these bands, and you'll be able to see who shot first because you can do shots with Greedo. So <laughs> there is there is plenty to see and do. And if Martin wants to run through, because yeah. it is really is Martin who kind of wrangled these guests uh which is great i was just gonna say jay do you want to carry on taking over the show because you're doing a cracking uh, uh, job mate you said Jet, you let him lose, Jet, you do it you complete you forgot a few things you left out the djs and you left out all the visual content on the on the screen. yes yeah. so we have uh, so the whole venue is covered in 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 screens uh that'll be full of, of content as well to uh, help with the, the immersion of it all and the narrative throughout the night we have amazing people from the star wars creator uh, community who will be helping us with some of those um, in-world, in-concert narrative aspects. Mm -hmm. um, but And then you have these, these amazing DJs, and DJs who, one of them was at the original Cantina, uh, DJ Elliot, who people will know from Celebration, he's well known on the circuit. We've also got Atomic Blonde for the VIP area, which I'm sure we'll talk about in, in a bit as well. And we've got Level Up Leroy, who I watched a video of his on YouTube the other day. I didn't realize how epic that guy is. Holy moly. <laughs> that guy can put on a show. I didn't realize. I was like, okay, wow. Yeah. This is. Yeah, this I think is... I checked him out once I heard him. He's, he's impressive. That's <laughs> amazing. So, and, and and again, I need to stress this is 36 quid. This is. <laughs> This is this is this is nuts. That's about two lattes and Starbucks at the moment. Yeah, you can much, go yeah. to. I wish you were joking. One, yeah. <laughs> one of the things, and like that, that's the tip of the iceberg. The stuff we have planned. There's guests we can't announce yet because yeah. uh, either we're not allowed to, or two, they haven't confirmed and they won't be able to confirm until a little bit nearer to the time because they're busy Nick filming knows, stuff. Nick, I've told Nick one of these guests, and he, he yeah. will be, he'll be able to say is. It is top tier guests. Oh yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, so we have we have a real special guest playing with Ash, which right. is unlike anything you've ever seen. And it, there's going to be opportunities here where anyone you know, any friend of yours that even has a, a tangential appreciation for Star Wars, you'll be able to send them a picture that night that will blow their minds. They they will they will swear it's Photoshop, but it's not <laughs> because it's it's going to be it's going to be. The amount of crazy stuff's happening, the amount of photo opportunities, the amount of people you will meet, the amount of 
love that will be in the room for everything that is Star Wars is ridiculous. And I need to stress again, it's 36 quid. Like, <laughs> for London, for London. Yeah, exactly. Amazing, yeah. Central London is insane. All right, cool. Mark, Mark, let's go. It's done. That's it, pretty much. That's it. <laughs> we just let him off the, the chain yeah. with that one, and there it goes. And the worst thing is, he even forgot to say, then, we have announced Mike Quinn. Is going to be performing oh, yeah. Blues Harvest. <laughs> That's right. Um, yes. So, so we have announced one person performing already. But there more. are a hand. There's more to come. Yes. And mind, Very do you good. want to start with the signings? This so, is great. You guys just you know you, you yeah. know you know what you do. You're the pros. I've been on Twitter this a lot of times. So it's absolutely fantastic. Well, once we've blurted it all out, so basically <laughs> we're because is what I always say to people is remember that predominantly this is a concert. Okay, so. We're going to have signing guests there, but please don't turn up with 15 priceless posters that <laughs> you, you just want to get that one signature. Or you, if it's on you if you do, because you want to be in the mosh pit for the... Yeah. <laughs> like, Valuables but, will probably get destroyed in a, in a mosh pit, or people yeah. will throw beers over them. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to do that. So, so there's an opportunity to get signed photos and have selfies with most of the guests. And we've announced so far Paul Blake, uh, Greedo himself... Then we've we've actually announced that Biggs is going to be there, Garrett yep. Hagen. Absolutely, uh, incredible. Nice. We've also got Paul Casey, who's mm. like a well-revered creature actor, Radus himself from Rogue One. He'll be in there. Uh, we've announced tonight Ponda Baba, mm-hmm. yes, is Tom Wilton. If I got the name Tom right, Wilton, yeah, yep. Uh, so yep, he played Ponda Baba in Rogue One. Um, as amongst another of other creatures, but of course we want him there as Ponda Baba. <laughs> and then in the VIP room, um, which, to be honest with you, there's only six tickets left. Wow. They, may be, they yeah. may be gone by the time we finish this podcast. Mm. But we've got uh, a selection of Imperials. So we've got Nida, Michael Culver, should I say Piet, uh, who's Ken Colley, and the amazing Julian Glover. Fears himself signing in the VIP lounge. Exclusive beers with beers, <laughs> and we've got a lot more people to announce. Have I missed anyone? Martin, Mark? you forgot about Watto. You forgot Watto, and you forgot oh. Sabalba. Sabalba, Water and Sabalba. How can I forget? Andy Seacum as Watto and Lewis, the incredible Lewis McLeod as Sabalba. They they've also confirmed they're going to be signing on that night and having selfies with people for Jeez. an additional fee, obviously. And okay. there are more to come, which we're yep. working on. Yeah. Yeah. If you go on to the guy's Instagram page, this is Cantina, you can see the full list there pretty much on all the pictures. Just keep scrolling down. They're all there, people. They're all there. Yeah. yeah. We have a sign-in page on thisiscantina.com as well with all the sign-ins. Uh, it's updated uh, as of yesterday, so we're going to add on the new one from today, Ponda Baba. And yeah, you'll see them all and we see them all as, as we update it. But also, if, if you're very lucky, if you, if you slip Martin a tenner, he'll sign, he'll sign anything you want. He'll <laughs> sign your chest. He'll, he'll... You know, by the time, by the time this podcast, by the time this podcast comes out, there will be another announcement. Mm. Okay, we there will it? be. We should say it. Go tomorrow, on, um, tomorrow, Hondo will be announced by making Star Wars. Jason, Ooh. <laughs> we actually got the guy who did Hondo in live action for the Smugglers Run ride at Galaxy's Edge. Oh, nice. Yep. He's done oh, a bunch of live action Hondo, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm. it's only live action Hondo so far. He's not the voice actor from the clone. No, he's, not, he's, he's the... not Jim Cummings. But he's the guy Robert who's Strange. Robert he's Strange. The actual guy. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. So hang on. So all you guys were at Celebration 2016, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was there. Pevy was there. But Bespin wasn't. So I think mm. that can only mean one thing. He's a fake fan. I'll just put that in there. <laughs> 
So I'll just, I'll just leave that in there. Rumor has it that Bespin might come to the canteen. Uh, he's just like, you know, you know, he likes to play, you know, hard to get. Uh, one day he's going, oh, the other day I don't know if I can make it, mate, you know what I mean? So he, he's coming, don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah he wants to come. <laughs> the thing is, he, he wants to lift off me, that's what he's trying to say. That's it, yeah. <laughs> he, 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 won't, he won't be able to, to avoid all the talk of Cantina, like, in the, in the days leading up to it. My no, worries no. is going to leak it. <laughs> the surprises we've got. Well, I'm already working on that, <laughs> don't worry about that. One of I, think, I think Bespin should be there. Bespin should be there on the day, leaking like what's going to yeah. happen before it does. I mean, it was an idea I had to be fair. So <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> cool. So we've spoke about location, price, yeah. which is a, just still an absolute bargain. Uh, guests, what else? Ash. Oh yeah, this is this little band called Ash are playing, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Can't take it away. This is your time to shine. Oh, so yeah, we're we're gonna be playing a show. We'll be, you know, we played in 2016. It wasn't. We kind of approached it more like a sort of like a, a festival, but because it's not just we we know we're not just playing to like Ash fans. It's more of a mm. mix of like convention and Star Wars kind of like nerds. So um, we kind of switched the set list up to sort of like play mm -hmm. a lot of the songs that we have sort of like tied into Star Wars or linked into Star Wars Star Wars with in the past, like the Republic Commando song we did for or the song called Clones, which we recorded for Republic Commando, the computer game um, yeah. in twenty. 2005 so we'll be doing that which we have we it's, we kind of rarely play that because um because we kind of need two guitarists so we're uh, working on a special guest who will come up on stage and play that with us we, we recorded the b-side to like one of our biggest singles car from mars that was the cantina the cantina band music so mm. we'll be doing that so yeah <laughs> the set i mean it's not just going to be like the set list that we'll be playing on a regular night of the tour it'll be a curated set list especially for cantina Ooh. and we'll be like leaning into our sort of like star wars fanboy you know tendencies and probably we we, uh, we do have some at least one a-lister special guest who will be performing with us performing with us on stage and um so we're excited by that i mean we're going to be fanboying out just on just to be able to play on stage with these people um, <clears throat> and mark you've, you've you've also got another connection to the star wars universe you uh, collaborated with uh, a certain Ben Kenobi. Oh, you and yeah. So this is back in around like nineteen ninety six. We we our first album nineteen seventy seven, which there's a Star Wars tie in there, obviously because that was the date that you know Star Wars was released. Um, and that, we named our first album after that. And we opened the album with a sample of a Tie Fighter, which we never got clearance for. But instead of suing us, they trotted us out to do like PR events for the special editions at the time. Hey, that's <laughs> so, not a bad bargain, to be fair, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was like, you know, <laughs> do you want to get sued? No, we'll, we'll no. go to these premieres and talk to like, you know, the music press about how great Star Wars is. Okay, we can do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> that was, that was like the deal. And then um, we had, a, yeah. we had we, 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 our first album went number one and sold like platinum around the world, whatever. So we, we were on tour. <laughs> We were on tour for quite a while. We were on tour for like almost two years. And about 18 months of that, we were followed around by a camera crew who made a documentary movie. This is before reality TV, before the internet, before, you know, YouTube. And it, it used to cost a lot of money to have a camera crew follow you around. Yeah. Um, so we blew all of our royalties from that album on making this movie, which we then never released, which was like a really good investment. And, uh, <laughs> and you and McGregor actually narrates the film. 
So we got oh, to meet amazing. him. We got to meet him whenever he was uh, doing the voiceover work in Soho, in the studio. We hung out with him afterwards in a pub, and he was like, "Oh, you guys free in a couple of days?" Um, and he called someone, and he came back and said, "Do you want to play at the rap party for the Phantom Menace?" And we were like, "Okay, yeah, we can do that." <laughs> <laughs> so within forty-eight hours, we were like on on this sort of like thrown together stage <clears throat> in in the theater hangar with like N one starfighters on either side of us. And the cast and crew of the Phantom Menace, who oh, I'd man. heard a lot about on like you know like spoiler forums, but like I'd been you know like reading all like the best bulletins of the day back then were like the, the Force.net and a bunch of Sir, Sir Steve's Guide, and there's there's about three or four websites that were covering all the spoilers for the Phantom Menace, and uh, so then to be able to like put a lot of things together that I'd read and confirm that they were actually real was you know cause the first time you saw a Naboo Starfighter. You were like, that doesn't look like Star Wars to me. That was that was a very different aesthetic to what we were used to of X Wings. There was no sort of like, you know, it was all like slick, streamlined, smooth, and the colors. It was very very different. But then see them in real life was like, wow, um, that was an experience. And then and then we were, the whole annex where Obi Wan and Ewan or Obi Wan and Qui Gon fight Darth Maul at the end. You know, mm. during the duel of the fates, we were able to sort of like walk around that and there was like there was oh, no man. because it was just like the people that were working there there was no real security we were just like <laughs> running around pulling things off you know control panels and yeah. stuff in their bags but it, oh, joke we weren't doing that at all but um <laughs> yeah it was a really that was a really magical night and um that then lead, that led to us then being involved you know right actually creating music for for republic commando so we have We've had links to Lucasfilm over the years, mm. and it's nice to sort of like be on the periphery and doing stuff like Cantina, which is not part of Celebration, but it's very Celebration adjacent. Mm. Yeah, it's very much its own thing, isn't it? Those websites you said, by the way, back in the day, they they ran so Benjamin could walk. I think that's the one, isn't it? Something like yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> we, we've got a lot of people coming yeah. who are not signing, who are from that will be at Celebration, mm. but they're just coming for the night out. So, like, yeah. on top of that really cheap £34 ticket, <laughs> what's not advertised is that you could, could just be rubbing shoulders with, like, all these um, yeah. very... Mingling uh, with the stars, you know. Mingling with the stars. Yeah. The, yeah. You, you might look to your left and you might see a green twilight who you recognize from Return of Jedi. <laughs> and Martin, you wanted, Martin, you were going to tell about the VIP room. We didn't get into that, did we? Yeah, well, so by the time this goes out, there's only six tickets left for the VIP room. Um, there won't be any so... left by the time you hear this, I'm guessing. <laughs> exactly. But... <laughs> yeah. um, but we do have a VIP experience where you get private entry, private bar, you get the uh, uh, the Imperials that we talked about signing, mm. and there's an after show as well with Atomic Blonde. Um, so that's going to be a pretty good experience. Um, but yeah, we don't want to rub people's nose in it who haven't got tickets <laughs> if that's gone out. Now. And the good, but the good thing, thing is that thing... Indigo said that we can stay there all night till, till the last person finishes their drink. Which yeah. on a bank, the, day, the night before a bank exactly. holiday Monday is dangerous. It's just uh, yeah. to say that Monday is a bank holiday, baby. So you yeah. can just yeah. buy the Nile exactly. It's going to well, be beautiful. The, 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 the £36 just... pound thing, which is kind of important, is we don't do this for a business. This isn't like what we mm. do as you've picked up from various trades. So we can keep the price down because A, so many people are doing this because they want to do it and they're into 
into the fandom and also we just basically worked out what's the cheapest you can do this for to cover costs mm. uh, without us going bankrupt for trying to put this thing on <laughs> uh, so that's one of the reasons why the price is uh, I like to think pretty damn reasonable I've, I've seen other gigs in similar sized venues for cover bands that cost more than that yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, like th yeah. this is ridiculous and just and, and one thing I really need to stress is how close it is to the Excel so yes. yeah. the Excel center is is where celebration is is you come out of the excel center you look to your left and it's it's basically over the river right like uh right there over the river um and it's the o2 millennium dome an another amazing location especially if you're coming from outside london if you haven't yeah. been to the millennium dome you just need to visit it so how you get there is you can either uh, spend five minutes in a, in, a, in a cab one way, but if you want to be a baller, if you want to do it the right way, you get on one, on the cable car that goes from pretty much outside the the XL directly to the O2, mm. and you're on that cable car for five minutes. You get a beautiful view, view of London, go across the water. It's almost almost like you're you're like in a theme park, basically going going to, as part of the ride, and you'll end up in this futuristic looking Death Star. Uh, with, the, with this with this venue called the Indigo, um, and one one thing I need need to tell people, there'll be Elton John fans there as well because <laughs> Elton, John, <laughs> Elton John's playing in, in in the main venue for for like thirty thousand people, forty thousand people, and they'll he ain't be gonna wondering. Know what's he won't exactly. So I I would love it, and then we've talked about this before. Love it if Elton John goes. Did you did you see all those Wookies like walking around? Yeah. <laughs> and because we are. One of the things that we we really want to kind of like bring home is you'll be in cosplay like at, at celebration most likely. We are cosplay f friendly, so mm, yeah. there are other uh, places where you may not be able to get in with your your full costume. But you know this is a gig for fans, so wear what you want. But it is a gig, so it'll be sweaty and hot inside. So just keep that yeah. in mind. If if Ooh, you my can, two favorites. yeah, don't. <laughs> Try if you can not to bring any weapon, like fake weapons, in, because you know the venue will probably be fine with it, but yeah. you just don't want that around. You, yeah. you have to get into the O2 first. Yeah, they've got melt detectors and, and then, and then, and then, then you've yeah. got the thing in there. So yeah. you know, we always say we're definitely cosplay friendly. Uh, you probably want to wear cosplay that's appropriate for going to a gig. Um, yeah. And if you're in any doubt about it, then go for bounding rather than cosplay. But the the more you're in theme, the better. And the venue are completely cosplay friendly as well. Yeah, but, yeah. I went to see um, was it Star Wars: A Musical Journey there? Absolutely yes. years ago. At, yeah, oh, wow, yeah. yeah. And people got dressed up for that and stuff, so they're fine yeah. with that. They absolutely. Yeah, fine. I yeah. went. I went to that as well. It was great. Yeah, Anthony Daniels, good, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. That was yeah. the one. Yeah, good yeah. time. So Elton John got, might like... be there. Is that what we're saying? He might show up to the other party. He is the star. He is uh, the uh, rocket, man, rocket man. So, exactly. You know, yeah. yeah. Once he get once he hears about it, yeah, he'll be there. Don't worry about it. That's confirmed. You heard it here. Hold the podcast, Elton John. There's a bunch of the theme, a, a bunch of the uh, costuming groups are actually helping with the theming and just having yeah. like people yeah. in full, you know, all the trooper gear and stuff. So there'll be a lot of characters yeah. there, yeah. like as, as part of the show. Yeah, you, you, no, you're going to be you're going to be ushered in under tight security from the usual suspects. Nice. Like, so I'm I'm thinking now we're talking about we should really. Up the price to like eighty quid or something. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 thirty six quid. It feels too low. I have already paid, but do you take euros? Euros, okay. 
All right, as we've already announced it, we'll, we'll keep it. We really don't But no, yeah, it's people, seriously. We can't it's... stress yet how much of an absolute bargain it is. Get involved, get your tickets. Yeah, exactly. Before, they, it's, before it's too late. It's yeah. for less than the price of an autograph at Celebration. Seriously. Mm, it's insane. So, yeah. www.thisiscantina.com. All the in there infos there. We keep it up to date. We're, we've been yeah. on a lot of podcasts as well, and if you want to listen to any of them, there's a list of the podcasts we've been on on the site. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, keep up to date on all of our socials. Just all this is Cantina, and you'll be able yep. to find out as I'm and sure when it happens. Busy will chuck it in the description. I'm sure you yep. better do. Otherwise, I'll be having words with him. <laughs> nice, cool. I think I think my work That's is great. done. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> How'd I do for a first interview? Is it all right? Yeah, That's it's great. good. Fantastic. It's not too bad. Cool. You just right, then. park. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what I do. It, well, it makes a change for me doing it for for a change. So you know, <laughs> it's it's, trust me, it's better that way. All right, guys. Well, we're going to go back to the show now. I don't know if it's going at the start or the end, whatever. So, but thank you very much, guys, for being on. Appreciate it. We will see you there on the ninth day after my yeah, birthday. One. So I should remember yeah. that really. Um, yeah, <laughs> so we'll have a good time, and yeah, we we'll, can't wait to see you all there. Thanks, guys. See you later. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.